Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Sunday, we had over $22,000 come in in our offering. Isn't that good? Can anybody say amen over that? God is so good. We continue to save our money and put it in the account. Believe in God, we shall lend and not borrow. Amen? Praise God. Back to the book of Joshua. That which we began last week, I guess if we were going to title it, we could title it Entering Into the Promises of God. Last week we saw the children of Israel increased their activity. They began to move into, come into the promised land. That piece of ground which God said belonged to them. Of course there was opposition. Everybody say opposition. There was opposition to their possessing of the land. Now you've got to understand church there's always going to be opposition to your possessing of that which God wants you to have. You say, now why would you say that? Because there's a devil on the earth that doesn't want you to have it. Because every time you receive something from God, it demonstrates his defeat. Now let me say it like that again. Every time you receive something from God, it demonstrates the defeat of the adversary. It shows that he's defeated. It shows that he has no power over you. It shows that he has no power against the word of God. And the devil doesn't like that because he's still trying to run this show even though he's defeated. So as they begin to enter in, the Bible talks about all the different kings. I like what it says here in the last part of verse 1. It says that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Your activity in the kingdom puts fear in your adversary. Let me say that again. Your activity in the kingdom puts fear in your adversary. I, I know, so have you ever been intimidated by the enemy? I know I have. There's been times when the devil says, I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to destroy you. You're not going to have what you're believing God for. Uh, this is going to happen to your physical health. This is going to happen to your ministry. This is going to happen to your family. And I want you to know, he always tries to intimidate. But the good news is, God has not called you to be intimidated by the devil. He's called you to be an overcomer and to walk in victory. And if you'll make a decision, I'm not going to be intimidated by a beat up, fallen angel. I'm going to stand on the promises of God and enter into what God has for me. Then I guarantee you there'll be a fear in your enemy. He'll realize he can't stop you. Listen, there has to be a different strategy. Let me say this again. Some of you need to hear this this morning. There needs to be, there has to be a different strategy from your adversary against you when you come to the place in your life when you say, I'm not going to give up. He can't use the same tactics against you anymore. If he uses a tactic against you that causes you to give up or quit, he'll use that same tactic on you every time. But if he sees that you're not falling for that again, if he sees that you're becoming resilient in your spirit, that you're rising up in faith, that you're making a decision, I'm not going to be, be defeated. This belongs to me. Jesus purchased this for me. Then I guarantee you, he's going to run. The Bible says he'll flee or run and start terror from you. Amen. Then the Bible talks about uh, the, the covenant uh, uh, act of circumcision, the cutting away of the flesh, how God wants to cut away the flesh of our, of our own mind and of our own heart. Verse, verse 8 says, It came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their place in the camp till they were whole. Everybody say they abode in their place in the camp till they were whole. 
Now remember this. God brought the nation in as a people. Of course, we enter into the things of God as individuals. You come into the salvation as an individual. You come into the baptism of the Holy Ghost as an individual. You come into healing as an individual. But we come into the destiny of God as a group. You say, what do you mean? As a church, we come into a place in which God has called us into, in which he can manifest himself in a greater way than, it was just, than, than if it was just us as individuals. Amen. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there are things that you can only receive corporately. Let me say that again. Some of you are looking at me kind of crazy. There are things you can only receive as you are connected to what God is doing corporately. Let me give you an example. Uh, God's calling us to to build a new building, possess some land, build a new building. All things being equal, that's going to cost us uh, four or five million dollars. Now, do you think, say you came and you sat, you say, well, you know, I love the teaching, the preaching, but, but you know, I really don't want to be involved in that. But now then God begins to bless this family and God begins to bless this family and this family. They're given to the bill. But you think, now what about me? Where's my blessing at? Well, you've segregated yourself from what God wants to do as a group. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But you still want the same blessing? God doesn't work like that. See, God gives us projects like that, projects like our mission, our missionaries that we support, uh, projects like our, our tent outreach that we do. We're fixing to do a tent outreach. I guess Brother Allen will give us a date here in a little bit in which we're going to give out backpacks again and bless the students and help everybody uh, in the community. Uh, those type of events which we have opportunity to give. All those kinds of things that we do as a group, as a corporate body, those kind of things bring what? Corporate blessing to us. Yes, there is the individual blessing, but then there's also the corporate blessing that God wants to bring. He wants you established in your place in the camp so that you can be made whole. A lot of people are never made whole because they never find a camp. You say, what is a camp? The camp is the corporate group. And it is a, listen, the devil fights that, I guess, probably more than anything else, the enemy fights that. He don't mind you being a part of religion. He don't mind you being a part of tradition. Uh, The enemy doesn't fight dead churches. He fights churches where they teach faith. He fights churches where they teach we ought to get people saved. He fights churches where they teach uh, where we teach uh, you ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, he fights churches that believe that sick bodies ought to be healed. He fights churches that believe that uh, drug addicts ought to be delivered by the power of God. Uh, that depressed people should be made whole. He fights churches like that because he knows churches like that will get results. So he wants you out of your place in the camp because he knows if he can get you out of your place in the camp, you'll never be made whole. Now let me throw this out to you and we'll go on with our teaching. There are two institutions that are divine. Everybody say divine. That means they, their origin is God. And then not only is their origin of God, but God puts his blessing upon that institution. Now the first one is marriage. Everybody say marriage. Listen, it still doesn't work to shack up. You may think, well, I'm going to shack up with this one and see if it's the right one. I'm going to shack up with that one. You'll, You'll taint yourself. You'll hurt yourself. Amen? No, it is the will of God. Oh boy, here we go. You ready? It is the will of God that one man, everybody say one man, and one woman come together in marriage, amen, God's covenant of protection and blessing is upon that, 
Sure, it's for procreation or for having children or to increase uh, its kind upon the earth. But it's also for the protection of the man and the woman in the covenant in which God's called them into. The devil hates marriage. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy it because he knows if he can destroy it, he can get you out of a divine institution. The second divine institution upon the planet is the church. He does not want you married in the church. He wants you shacking up in the bar. Amen. You say, why? Because the enemy knows if he can keep you out of the camp, and keep you out of the covenants of God, he can keep the blessings of God out of your life. But if you will make a decision, I don't care what the devil says, I don't care what kind of opposition comes against me, I'm going to fight for my marriage, and I'm going to fight for my place in the camp, you will find a place of wholeness in your life. God will supernaturally make you whole in your finances, whole in your mind, whole in your physical body, whole in everything else that you're doing in, in life. God will make you whole. Now, Verse 9, the Lord said unto Joshua this day, Have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you? That was the idea that was in the children of Israel that there may be something back in Egypt that we missed. You know the devil does that to people all the time. You know the go back mentality. Go back to sin. Go back to the drugs, go back to the alcohol, go back to this, go back to that, go back to greed, go back to anger. Whatever it is you came out of, the enemy always wants you to go back thinking that there was something that you might have missed. But I want you to know the only thing that they missed in Egypt when they came out of Egypt was death and destruction. Because that's all the devil had planned for them in Egypt was death and destruction. So when that mentality gets out of your mind where you no longer serve God like this... Part of you facing this way, but the other part looking back. You turn your whole focus toward God and the things of God. It's a great day in your life. Amen. It rolls away the reproach from Egypt off of you. Then it says this. Verse 10. Here we go. This is for today. It says, And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, even in the plains of Jericho. Now, they began a celebration that they had not celebrated since they had come out of Egypt. They had not practiced the Passover while they were in, in, in the wilderness just wandering around. You say, now, now why is that? Because the Passover encompassed everything that God desired to do, not only in bringing them out of Egypt, but bringing them into Israel. They had forsaken God when it came to the possession of the nation of Israel. They said, no God, we'd rather stay out here and die. And God said, listen, what you've said in my ears, we studied it last Wednesday. You, you that were here last Wednesday night. Uh, Numbers what, chapter 13 or 14. God said, as you have said in my ears, so will I do. But after that generation died, God said, it's time to celebrate. He said, I got a bunch of people that ain't going to be, be stuck out here in this wilderness anymore. They're going to go in, they're going to possess the land, and they're going to be able, I'm going to allow them to celebrate their coming out. Now listen, you've got to get a hold of this today. This will really help you. Because a lot of people, they look at their current problem. They think, oh, if I could just get a miracle. Oh, if God would just, here in my finances. Oh, in, in my marriage, in my physical body. You've got to learn to celebrate what you have. Every day you ought to get up out of bed and put your hands up and say, thank God I'm saved. 
If I were to die today, it would be the greatest day of my life. I'd be absent from my body. I'd be present with the Lord. Thank God for my salvation. Thank God for my coming out. Thank God I'm no longer part of Egypt. Thank God I'm no longer in bondage to the taskmasters. Thank God you brought me out by the cross and by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God I'm a new creature in Christ. Thank God old things are passed away. Thank God all things. You ought to get up every day and start celebrating your salvation. I guarantee you it'll put faith on the inside of you. A lot of people so take it for granted. Are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. Well, boy, howdy, you're just really happy about that, aren't you? Well, I guess that's only, that only means something when I die. No, it means something when you live. Anybody can die. But it takes something in your heart and your spirit to live for God every day and receive the life, the zoe of God to help get you through the day. You get up celebrating your salvation every day and I guarantee you God will impart life to you to walk through your day with. So here they go. They start moving. They get going across the Jordan. The first thing they find is a walled city. And God says, celebrate, celebrate the Passover. Then it says this. Now this is interesting. It said, they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover. Unleavened cakes, parched corn in the selfsame day. Verse 12. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten the old corn of the land. Now notice this phrase. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Cana that year. Now here's something. If you do not understand this in your life, you will miss it. Here's a whole group of people. Now they had been risen. Although the previous generation had died and passed away. This generation had also be risen up. Not with a slave mentality. But with miracle mentality. Are you with me? How many like miracle mentality? Good. We're going to get it out of you today. We're going to get miracle mentality out of you today. That's most people's problem is they love miracle mentality. Oh, I'm believing God for a miracle. Oh, I'm believing God. See, that's, now that generation was raised like that. I think they needed, what, what, what was it? Uh, let, let's count them. They needed the cloud by day. That's a miracle. They needed the fire by night. That's a miracle. Are you with me? They needed water flowed out of the flinty rock, that which was Christ that followed them. That's three miracles right there. They needed manna every morning. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? Uh, they, they, God brought the, uh, the quail. Are you with me? Now, there's, there's five miracles. God provided healing. Remember when the snakes came and began to bite them and all that kind of stuff? And he put the image of the serpent up on the, up on the stake. And when they looked upon it, they were healed. Of the, so God provided healing. The Bible says their shoes and their clothes grew on them and did not wear out. So God provided miracle after miracle after miracle. So this generation was conditioned to miracles. And the most major miracle being what? Every morning when they got up, on the ground was this, this, this stuff called, what is it? That's what it is. That's what the word manna means. What is it? <laughs> That's what the word manna means. What is it? And I'll tell you what it was. It was whatever you wanted it to be. If you wanted it to taste like hot dogs, it tasted like hot dogs. If you wanted it to taste like gumbo, it tasted like gumbo. If you wanted it to taste like shrimp, it tasted like shrimp. If you wanted it to taste like T-bone steak, it tasted like T-bone steak. It was, what is it? It was whatever you wanted it to be. Are you with me? So they were geared to... Now, 
So they get up. They, 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 they've, they've gone across the Jordan. Now they're out of the wilderness. They're going in and possess the land. They've crossed the Jordan. They're celebrating their salvation. They're celebrating the Passover, the coming out. When the blood was put on the doorpost. Amen. They're celebrating that. They get up in the morning and there's no manna on the ground. Uh oh. What have we done? Time to have a manna conference. Time to begin to seek God. I, do you think anybody was praying for manna? I bet you that morning they were. Where's our manna? Where's our manna? Where's our manna? Where's our manna? Now here's the key. Here's something you have to understand. God sustains us many times on manna. I know many times in our lives, in field ministry, it happened that way. It happened like that here, here at the church, in which literally we believed God. Every time we needed a payroll to come to have money for the payroll, uh, money for the, for, the, for the lease on the building, money for control, all this kind of, we had to just believe, just get out there and just believe God. And God would do a miracle and we rejoice. But I always realized this ain't the will, this is not the will of God. Listen, the cloud by day was not the will of God. The fire by night was not the will of God. The, 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 the manna on the ground was not the will of God. Uh, the, the water out of the... It was the provision of God for a portion of time. But the will of God for the nation of Israel was what? A land that flows with milk and honey. God was wanting to get them out of the wilderness where they needed miracles every day. See, and many times that's our mentality. Oh, if I can just get a miracle every day, I know I'll be living for God. It may be that's where you're at. You're in the wilderness and God is wanting to bring you into something better. Now, notice what God does. He doesn't totally take everything away from them. He leaves them with what? Corn. Now, what's the difference between corn and manna? Well, manna, the Bible says, you were to pick up six days a week. The sixth day, you were to pick up double. The previous five days, you were only able to pick up as much as your family needed for the day. At the end of the day, worms ate it away. Then on the sixth day, you picked up as much as you needed for that day and for the Sabbath day or the day of rest. Are you with me? So, we understood that manna was a temporal provision. Because manna does not perpetuate itself. You say, what do you mean by that? Manna is not seed. But corn is seed. And what God was telling Israel is you don't need manna anymore. Because I'm going to give you seed. And seed reproduces after its own kind. And seed is perpetual. And seed will fill up your barns. And seed will fill up your, 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 your grain vats and your hoppers. And seed will give you an abundance of increase. Not just an everyday miracle that you need. Seed will not give you a miracle. Seed will make you a miracle for somebody else. See, a lot of times we don't realize that's what God's called us to do. And God's called us to be. Now, I'm, on, I'm not going to let out the, the cat out of the bag over everything I believe. And everything I know. A lot of things that I write down, I feel the Lord. But let me just say something to you. In my own spirit, I know. I know 
Not believe. I know that as a church, one day we're going to have to take care of thousands of people. You say, what do you mean take care of thousands of people? Not just teach and preach the word of God to them. We're going to have to feed them. We're going to put food in their, food in their mouth. We're going to have to put groceries in their, in their, in their arms. We're going to have to put clothes on their back. Uh, that's why we're planning when we build this church over here uh, uh, to put a full service kitchen in it where we can feed lots of people. We're going to put big walk-in freezers in it so we can have lots of food. We're going to put big food uh, grocery pants. You say, why would we do that? Because I know in the last of the last days there's going to be an enormous need upon the earth. Uh, I, literally, I was praying the other day and the Lord spoke to me and said, governments will be overwhelmed by the need and will not be able to satisfy the need. They will be so involved in just trying to keep the government going that they will literally forsake the needs of the people. And if the church doesn't rise up, millions will starve and die. So it's not just a spiritual revival God's calling us to. It's actually God saying, listen, listen. I want you to be provi the provision for the whole world at the last of the So the whole world is coming to the church. So the whole world needs the church not just for spiritual but also for physical needs. So if we plant and reap and plant and reap and plant and reap and use wisdom and God blesses and plant and reap and follow the plan of God, then one day they won't just be coming to have the Bible read to them and a message preached. They'll be coming because they need the food. They need the clothes. They need somebody to encourage them. And I want you to know that's going to open the greatest door for the harvest to bring souls into the kingdom of God. Because there's going to be great turmoil upon the earth. So... The manna ceased. What do you do when the manna ceases? You rejoice. Because God's bringing you into a place in which he can trust you with seed. He couldn't trust that generation with seed that died in the wilderness. But now this new generation had not been raised in slavery. They had been raised in miracle mentality. But he said this. Now I'm going to cause the manna to cease. Now you're going to have to go in and possess the land. But I'm going to give you corn which is an indication of what? I'm going to give you a place to plant that corn. Now you're going to have a place where you can do what? You can put that corn in the ground and I'll send the rain from heaven and I'll send the former rain and I'll send the latter rain and now you won't just have some kernels of corn, you'll have some stalks of corn. And now you won't just have some stalks of corn, you'll have some fields of corn. Now you won't just have some fields of corn, you'll have a corn business. And you'll be able to distribute corn and plant corn and bless people with corn and help people with corn. And corn will be everywhere and you'll be able to do anything you want because you've got so much corn and everybody needs corn. So you'll have so much corn that you don't know what to do with. That's exactly what God was telling them. I'm bringing you into a place where I can trust you with seed and you will not need a miracle every day because you will have an abundance of that which I told you you will have. Oh, somebody ought to get excited. Now notice verse 13. Let's study a little bit on Joshua and then we'll... House. Oh, I've still got plenty of time. It's just 12 minutes after. Came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or our adversaries? And he said, No, but as the captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come... And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord? The captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, 
Joshua is a leader. Everybody say a leader. But this, this can relate. We all can relate to this. The manna ceased. It looked like on the surface Moses had died. God had raised up Joshua. Now Joshua changed the prime directive of the entire nation. We're not staying in the wilderness no more. Time to go in and possess the land. Well, they hadn't, they hadn't even talked about that for 40-something years. Actually, about 42 years. They hadn't even brought that subject up. But Joshua said, now, now we're going to go and possess the land. He sent two spies over. Then he sent the priest into the Jordan. They stepped into the Jordan, and what happened? A miracle. Wow. I bet Joshua was encouraged. <laughs> Thinking, praise God. He split the sea, but I, at, least, at least the river divided for me. But then... The manna ceased. Now I guarantee you there was a murmuring in the camp when the manna ceased. Because whenever there's a problem in the camp, everybody looks toward the leader. That's who they look toward. What did he do? It's never not what I did. It's what, what did he do. Amen. So I guarantee you there was some grumbling in the camp. Well, you know, the manna, the manna, the manna, the manna, where's our manna? When he wants a manna, where's my manna? Oh, we got this corn, it's going to be a manna. And you know, I guarantee you that was going on. So I guarantee you there was probably a little element of insecurity and frustration in Joshua. Number one, he's been given this challenge of going across the Jordan, and he comes across the Jordan, and the first thing he faces is Jericho. Huge walled city. He's like, all right, Lord, I thought you said you're going to give us. I thought, I, said, I thought you said you were going to give us. Well, he does give you. But you have to go in and possess it. And if there's a walled city, you're going to have to knock it down and take it. Well, Joshua, unbeknownst to him, he walks over. Now, can you see a little frustration maybe in Joshua? A little intimidation in Joshua. As he walks over and stands and begins to stare at the city. And you know, in his mind, because he's a military man, he's trying to come up with a strategy. How do we take this city? Do we have enough soldiers? Do we have enough swords? Do we have enough spears? Can we make a catapult? Do we need to just go light fire? What, what do we need to do? He's standing there and he's trying to figure out a plan. How do I take the city? And he looks over and he sees a man. Now this man is looking at Jericho and he's standing there with his sword like this. Now Joshua walks up to him and says, Are you for me or against me? Now that shows us right there there's some frustration in Joshua because he's trying to see who's on his side. Which must have meant there were some murmurings in the camp, which there must have been some people saying, we're not for Joshua anymore. He's not Moses. Moses would have done something. Moses would have made sure the manna was here this morning. Moses would have just gave us this bag of corn and said, go at it. No, Moses would have made sure there was manna here. And so I meant that, that, that right there caused Joshua to make this statement. Are you a no? Okay, whose side are you on? And this captain of the Lord's host said this. I've not come to take sides. I've come to take over. That's what the original Hebrew says. I've not come to take sides. I've come to take over. And the Bible says that Joshua did worship him. So that shows us that's not an angel. That's not an angelic visitation. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. 
This is the Word of God. This is the captain of the Lord's host. This is Jesus in pre-incarnate form manifesting in front of Joshua. And then he says to Joshua something really peculiar. Take your shoe from off your foot for the place where you're standing is holy or righteous. Are you with me? Let's read that again. I think this is interesting because we've heard this before. Verse 14. He said, as no, but as the captain of the, Lord's, of, of the Lord's host, I am now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth, did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord? Captain of the Lord's host said unto him, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place where on thy stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Holy, sanctified, are set apart. Now, we saw this with Moses. Moses was called by God to be the deliverer of Israel. So he tried it on his own and ended up murdering somebody. That's not a good way to start a ministry. It's really not. Forty years later, he's walking around in the desert and he sees a bush burning that would not be consumed with the fire. Now that's pretty interesting. If you see a bush burning that's not being consumed with the fire, that means there's some other source. So the Bible says he drew near. And as he drew near, a voice began to speak out of the bush. And the first thing it told Moses was to do what? Take your shoes from off your feet, for the place wherein you stand is holy. Now, we're, uh, you've got to understand, church, we're, we're, our mentality is what we call westernized. Which means we think, according to all of the traditions, all of the education, all of the uh, uh, cultural aspects that have been ingrained in us from all the different cultures that we've come from. So there's been things that we've held on to, things that we've let go of. Now, over here, this is a whole different area of the world. I don't know, how many have ever been over in the Middle East? I've been over there. <laughs> it's another world. I mean, the, the, the Arab and the Jewish culture are so far from each other, it's like, it's, it's like night and day. Now, the Jewish culture is very interesting. And to the feet, or when it comes to the feet, there is great significance when it comes to the feet, when it comes to the Jewish culture. For the Jewish culture, the feet is a, is a place of exchange. Everybody say exchange and joining. Exchange and joining. You say, now what do you mean by that? Hey, has anybody ever been to a Jewish wedding? If you've ever gone to a Jewish wedding, what do they do at the end of that wedding? After the priest has said, I mean, excuse me, the rabbi has, has given his, his, his thing and all that. They, they, they take a goblet or a glass and wrap it in a, in, a, in a napkin and put it on the floor and they do what? They stomp on it with their what? Feet. Now here's Moses. Take off your shoes from off your... And now here's Joshua. Loose your shoe from off your, for the place where you stand is. There were ten lepers that were healed. And one ran back to Jesus and fell down at his. Who, who was it? Uh, Boaz and, and, and Ruth. Naomi told Ruth, go lay at the, and uncover his. 
Somebody going to get a revelation here. The, the woman taken in sin, uh, the harlot that came to Jesus and bowed at his feet and wept and washed his with her tears and wiped it with her hair. So to the Jewish people, the feet is a place of exchange and joining. So in Moses' situation, God was saying, what I'm calling you to do, you cannot do it. So I'm here to exchange strength with you. I'm going to take your weakness. I'm going to take your inability. I'm going to take your inadequacy. I'm going to take everything that intimidates you. I'm going to take it from you. I'm going to give you my gifting. I'm going to give you my anointing. And I'm going to join together with you in this endeavor. So it will not be you doing it. It will be me in you or me with you. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't deliver these people on your own. You have to have me. So Joshua, same thing. Here comes Joshua. The captain of the host of the Lord appears and says, Joshua, there needs to come an exchange. I'm going to take your intimidation. You're having to live under the shadow of Moses. But Moses is dead. So I'm going to take your intimidation. I'm going to take all of it that inhibits you. Everything that makes you feel inadequate. I'm going to take that and I'm going to join together with you in this endeavor to take the land. If you, all, if you go and study the book of Joshua, continually God tells him, Do not be afraid, but be courageous. Do not, do not be dismayed, but rise up in courage and possess this land. That was God constantly encouraging him saying, go out and take it. Go out and take it. Go out and get it. Don't look at the giants. Don't look at the amount of people. Don't look at the walled city because it's not a military plan. It's a God-given plan because I have joined together with you in covenant so that you can do this thing. When Jesus died on the cross, they put nails in his feet. And in Ephesians we read that one of the armaments of God is the preparation of the gospel of peace which is for our what? Our feet. Our feet take us to places we shouldn't go or places we should go. You get diseased in your feet, you're a cripple. Are you with me? I mean, it'll, it, it inhibits your forward movement. It inhibits any movement. But God says to us as believers, I've called you to do something. As an individual, as a married couple, as a church family, you're called to do something you can't do. Amen. You can't do it. So there needs to be an exchange. When did that happen? 2,000 years ago, when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? An exchange took place. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we're healed. Now we're not poor old sinners saved by grace. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. We are new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have made new for us. And then God comes into our lives. He is the what? The alpha, the omega. He is the author and the finisher. And what he does is he comes in and he authors something in us. He puts a plan. He puts a desire in our heart and then we look at that and we think how are we going to do that how are we going to do that how am I going to be healed how am I going to prosper give away 10% of my money huh that doesn't prosper me that prospers the church so we go back to Egypt in our thinking 
And instead of entering into the exchange, how? By faith. Okay, Lord, you are my Jehovah Rapha. You are the healer of my body. Okay, Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provision. You are my full provision for everything that I need. You are my source, so I'm not worrying about the resource. And instead of figuring out how I can do it, all you do is trust God to do it. That is literally your fight of faith. That is literally the labor that we have to enter into the rest because we get into Hebrews and Hebrews talks about the provocation or the time in which Israel looked at God and all of his miracles and said, no, no, we ain't doing it. And God said, okay, you'll die. Now there's a lot of Christians that have done the same thing. God says, go on in and possess. Go on in. It's going to take some faith. It's going to take some patience. It's going to take some perseverance on your part. But I've given you the gifts of the Spirit. I've given you the fruit of the Spirit. I've given you the Word. I've put my Spirit in you and on you. And there's some people that go like this. No. And God says, okay, you can come to heaven when you die. But here on this earth, you're going to live in hell. Because the enemy knows he's got you. And he'll keep you in a wilderness. And I've seen them. Oh Lord, I need a miracle. Honey, and God will bless them. And God will help them. And God will do this. And get them through life with miracle mentality. But they never ever develop or discover the true potential of what their life literally means. God has so much more for us. God has so much more for us to possess. So much more for us to go into. You as a believer. Listen, this is the one key point that if you can get this out of the message. That I've taught you the last two weeks. This is what will help you. If you're sitting right now in a place. And you are not receiving from God. That means your physical body is still telling you that you're sick. That means your finances is still communicating to you that you're broke. That all of the facts of life can be described as your problems. None of the truth of God has manifested anywhere in your life. You're thinking, God, does this stuff really work? Is this faith thing really relevant? Can I really be healed in my body? Can I really prosper in my finances? Am I just wasting my time going down there and hearing that preacher teach on that kind of stuff? Am I wasting my time doing this? Or, the, or does it really work? What you're trying to do is you're trying to get something with what you got something previously on with. Not realizing that faith is a forward progression. Meaning what you did yesterday to get yesterday's manna is not going to get you into the promised land and get you the corn you need for tomorrow. You mean I just can't come to church once on Sunday? Well, when I first got saved, that's all I did. I just came and sat and my body got healed and God blessed my finances. Now it looks like nothing is working. That's because you're not growing. You've got to move. Everybody say move. You've got to move. You've got to pray more. You've got to get into the word more. You've got to study more. You've got to confess more. Now here's our problem. We think that's labor. That's not labor. It should be a pleasure. The reason it becomes labor is because of our resistance to it. The I don't want to. How many people didn't want to come to church this morning? They didn't come. Didn't want to pray last night. They didn't pray. Didn't want to read the word. And they didn't. But they want a miracle. They want their body healed. They want their finances prospered. This is not the gospel lotto. 
Let me say that again. This is not the gospel lotto where we come on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and we spin the big gospel lotto wheel and you're sitting there hoping, oh, I hope he calls me out and prays for me. Hope he calls me out and prays for me. Hope he calls me out and prays for me. Oh, it didn't happen this week. Maybe it happened this week. Maybe it happened this week. That's not how it works. It's you start on this path of righteousness and the more you enter into it, the more you want to be a part of it. The more word you read, the more words you want to read. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. The more you come to church, the more you want to come to church. The more you, are, the, the more you participate in the move of God, the more you want to participate in the move of God. You need an exchange. You need to go to God and say, God, I'm going to take off my shoes from off my feet because what I'm doing is not working for me. It is frustrating me. It is causing me to be upset. I'm living over here in the facts of my life. My body is hurting. My finances are in the garbage. I, can't, I don't have two dimes to rub together after the end of the month. I need your blessing. I need your provision. I'm going to move over in here to the truth of your word. I'm going to exchange with you. Take my frustration. Give me your strength. Take my weakness. Give me your strength. Take my doubt. Give me your faith. Take my sickness. Give me your healing. You've got to go in and what? Possess it. You can't sit around waiting it to fall on you like ripe cherries off a tree. It will not happen. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go get it. And when you make the decision, I'm going to go get it, God will begin to give you the plan on how to get it, the way to get it. And you'll get so caught up with the actual possessing of it that the possessing of it will become your lifestyle you'll get this blessing you'll say thank you Lord and this one thank you Lord this one thank you Lord but what I really enjoy Lord is just fellowshipping with you and getting to know you more and loving you more and understanding you more and thank you oh thank you for that home and that car that was really nice and all this but that's, I'm not getting my eyes on that I'm keeping my eyes on you Lord because these material things are just temporary little things that are going on here on this planet but I know there's a much greater eternal plan for me and as I walk with you and talk with you I begin to understand I grow in my spirit I outgrow poverty I outgrow sickness and disease I outgrow depression. I outgrow all of these things. I enter in and I possess every promise that Jesus promised me through redemption. And in the name of Jesus, you've given me life. Now I'm living life. Not just existing till death runs, it cor runs its course and trying to fight off the effects of death. As I live in the facts of life. But no, living in the truth. What did Jesus say? If you're my disciples... If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall give you freedom. People talking about not wanting to be in bondage anymore. Serve God. Because the more you serve God, the more freedom that you have. And people always, listen, you can have, you know, people look at preachers, they look at ministers, well, you got all the time in the world. Who said that? We don't have all the time in the world. You don't build a church. You don't build missions work. You don't do all of that by not doing it. Did you understand what I said? No, I have to make time to pray. 
I have to make time to study the Word. I sacrifice my time with my family. I sacrifice my time with things that I could be doing that I want. I sacrifice that time and I give it to the Lord in prayer. I give it to the Lord in study and meditation of the Word. Then I do what God's calling me to do. I enter into what God's calling me to enter into. And I keep moving. And I, keep, and I try to grab and bring as much people with me. And I try to show them and tell them, this is how it works. It's our forward progression and our movement as we keep moving. And sometimes it may get hard to move. And other times we might can just run and walk, but other times it may get you know, but if we'll just stay with it and keep moving and keep progressing forward we will possess everything that God says is ours we'll possess it as a church you'll possess it as a family and you'll possess it as an individual if you'll just keep entering in entering in keep moving increase your activity in the kingdom Jesus said, where was it? In Matthew chapter 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Actually, the true Greek says this. Seek ye first the expansion of the kingdom. Where is the kingdom? It's in you. It's in you. Jesus said, Know ye not? Know ye not? You are the temple. God, the Holy Ghost said it's the possible. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's in you. Seek the expansion. As the kingdom expands out of your spirit, what does it touch? It touches your mind. Touches your flesh. Touches your pocketbook. Touches your family. Touches everything around you. The kingdom begins to affect. You begin to get favor. Things begin to open up. You begin to say, How did that happen? How did that happen? How did this happen? God just said, You just had it scheduled for you. As you were on the path of righteousness, you came to the right place at the right time. And my blessing does what? Overtakes you in the way. God's got so much for us. Now, this is my last closing. In comparison to what is going on on the planet, in comparison to what the adversary has scheduled for this cosmos, which is the world and world system, in comparison to what God wants to do with his people, there is a place of departure. You say, what do you mean? Outside what God is going to do, it's going to get darker and darker and darker. Financially, medically, in people's minds, all kinds of stuff are in the works right now. In which when they come to fruition, it's not going to grant us more freedom as Americans. So we can enjoy it. It's going to put people in greater and greater and greater bondage. In greater and greater and greater darkness. Things are going on financially. Our dollar is losing. Every day we're losing the value of our dollar. Every day this is happening. And that's happening. And this, But God is doing what? In the church. He's given insights and concepts and ideas and blessings. And doing this and doing that. And he's arranging things. Whereas the world, the departure of the world goes this direction. And God goes this direction. The gap in the middle becomes so noticeable. That the people in darkness know that the only hope I've got is to go to those people. Those people over there, they seem to be full of joy. But we're worried about what could happen tomorrow. We're worried to get up and turn on the news in the morning. Those people over there, well, well they're living in the same economy we are, but it looks like they're driving new cars. And, and, and you say, well, that doesn't, those are material things. Let me tell you, they do mean something. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, when they see you in your prosperity, they will say, these are the people that God has blessed and his glory has come upon 
And they see all kinds of diseases that they're already today. I watched a deal the other day on these super diseases now. Uh, 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 what is it? Antibiotics have no effect on them whatsoever. No cures whatsoever. You get it. Three days later, you're gone. All these diseases that are incubating in, in people's bodies that have no resistance to it. They become these super diseases. What are you going to do then? That stuff gets rampant in the earth. You better have a covenant of healing with Almighty God. When people realize that there's a greater answer when it comes to health in the church than there is in the hospital. And people will come to the church. You see what I'm saying? We're living in that day right now. We're living in the day in which one event, one event can flip this whole thing. One terrorist act in our nation. One, one nuclear exchange in the Middle East. Anything like that can take this whole thing and throw us on the time clock counting down to the rapture of the church. We're living literally where you could get up and see that happen in the morning. Don't let it catch you short. Because you can be either swept away in this or you can get swept away in this over here. And I'd just rather be swept away in what God's doing and enjoy His presence, His provision and go in and possess what He has for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You learned something this morning? Lift your hands up and worship God. Father, we worship you. Thank you for your word. Father, give us light and understanding that we're living at a place in time in which you are calling your people to go in and possess every promise you have provided for us in Christ. To possess our prosperity. Possess our healing and health. Possess that which you've given us. You've given us the, 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 the example in Joshua, in Israel, and they went and possessed the land. And everything you said about that nation came to pass. And today that nation exists again because of what you said in your word. But Father, you've taken a nation out of the nations of the world and you've called it the church and you've said that you will come back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. So Father, as we enter into this time frame in which you are preparing us to enter into all that you have prepared for us, Lord, let us not be resistant. Let us feel that pull of your spirit, pull of that anointing to go in to everything you've provided for us in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everyone says... Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.